Look. Lula leaned his stocky frame over the arm of his chair and pushed his face close to mine, locking eyes. It sometimes bothers my educated friends when I say this, but the number one teacher in my life was a woman who was born and died illiterate, my mother, he said. With all due respect to experts and academics, they know very little about the poor. They know a lot about statistics, but that's different, sabe? To an intellectual, putting fifty dollars in the hands of a poor person is charity. An academic has no idea what a poor person can do with it. But that's because at university they don't teach you how to care for the poor. And it's because most experts have never experienced what the poor go through every day. They've never had to go to work without breakfast. They've never lived in a flooded house or had to wait three hours at a bus stop. To experts, a social problem like inequality is only numbers. But I took that social problem and made it into a political one, a practical one. And then I tried to solve it. It was December, summer in Brazil, and Lula and I were sitting in his map-lined private office in Iparanga, a slightly scruffy middle-class neighborhood of Sao Paulo. I traveled there to ask Brazil's former president, formerly known as Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva, though nobody calls him that, just how he'd done it. How had Lula turned inequality into what he'd just described as a politically manageable problem, and then tackled it with such stunning success? Finding the answer felt urgent. After all, income inequality has exploded around the world in recent years, becoming a source of intense global anxiety. The gulf between the ultra-rich and the rest seems to be growing inexorably just about everywhere, and no one seems to know what to do about it. One reason for this helplessness is that economic growth, long seen as the key to improving general welfare, is no longer working the way it's supposed to. Though politicians often blame the current inequality crisis on the Great Recession and its aftershocks, that hypothesis doesn't hold up. For if you look at many of the countries whose income gaps have grown the widest in the past few years, you'll make a counterintuitive discovery. The list includes some of the world's fastest-growing economies, like China's. What this means is that merely getting the world's struggling economies back on track isn't going to do much to close the yawning income gaps. It might just produce more China's. Truly solving our inequality problem is going to take a much more creative and comprehensive approach. The hunt for that strategy is already well underway, with pundits and increasingly desperate national leaders racking their brains for an answer. Of those proposed so far, the best known is probably that of Thomas Piketty, the superstar French economist who in his 2014 bestseller called for the imposition of a global wealth tax. It's not hard to see why so many people have fallen for this scheme. It's appealingly simple and packs a gratifying soak-the-rich punch. But there are two big problems with Piketty's plan, as well as other similarly extreme approaches to inequality. First, they'd never work, for both political and technical reasons. The global elite are too good at protecting their interests and avoiding the taxes they're already supposed to pay. And second, such controversial strategies are unnecessary. 
Over the last dozen years or so, one country, Brazil, has shown that there's a far better, less radical, and more market-friendly way to fight inequality. This approach has been tested, and it works. The man sitting across from me on that hot day in Ipiranga was the one who'd made it happen, presiding over one of the most successful, least disruptive social transformations the world has ever seen. 